Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Nerd Music Nerd Culture Nerd Life Find it all at the Radio Free Hipster Podcast. A fortnightly digital mixtape. Compliments of hipsterplease.com. You know how we do. I'm Commander Shepard. You want to see if I've got got them in, Ross? Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast, where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. RGD2, that is utter bullshit. It's useless to try and explain it to you. You wouldn't understand. It all seems so absurd. So fantastic. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 72 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? It's going good. I'm getting ready to fly up to Seattle. Yes, you are. I'm going to be seeing you again in a all mare, your glory. A mere week away. Pax. Dang. 2011. Pax. I'm so fired up about this. Yep, it's going to be nerdy goodness. I'll tell you, though, flying, as, as we know, flying is crazy. I don't know if you saw this in the paper, though, some... Recently, former United States ski team dude in that he got booted off the team after this 
he was flying and he, he had a few too many to drink and sort of uh, blacked out and woke up again while he was peeing on a, another passenger who happened to be some kid. You're so I'm going to try not to do that this time. You're upset because he beat you to that? That you wanted <laughs> yeah, that to was the- my stick, man. That was my stick right there. Get too drunk, urinate on a passenger, an underage passenger. Maybe it was, what's the name of that rapper? Oh, oh, oh Maybe oh. it was R. Kelly. R. Kelly. <laughs> I didn't know R. Kelly had an alter ego as a skier. I, I didn't know R. Kelly had frequent flyer miles. Apparently he has frequent peer miles. <laughs> Why, why are we always talking about bodily fluids at the beginning of these episodes? Because I, it's funny. I guess so. You know, you want to know my crowning moment on a commercial airliner? You know I do. Okay, here it is. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the show before. When I was 18, back in my youth, right after the, the very last day of, of school, last day of college for my freshman year, time to get out of the dorms, and because I was an idiot... I got really, really uh, intoxicated. And so the next morning, I had to clean up my dorm room, pack my bags, and get on an airplane and fly to ROTC boot camp, of all things. Basic. And, of course, I was too completely obliterated after the three hours of sleep that I got to clean my room. And my mom, bless her heart, actually cleaned my disgusting dorm room for me while I like laid there. And I still feel bad about that. But I get on the plane, not feeling great. And I'm flying all the way from from California to Kentucky. Okay. And my carry-on is essentially just like a backpack. And I'm, I'm wearing my my BDU cap, my, the hat. And I'm on the plane, and I'm just feeling like worse and worse and worse. And all of a sudden, it's it's just painfully obvious through to me, through my bloodshot eyes, that I am going to be throwing up soon. And I, I like think okay what what can i do here i'm like at the window seat the people next to me are sleeping and i i start digging frantically through that little pocket in front of you looking for the air sickness bag because this is this is happening now there's no doubt this is going to happen i don't have the sicky sack so i like make kind of a scene trying to stand up excuse me excuse me i wake the people up i get past them i'm looking terrible and because it's it's a quiet flight it's still morning and there are sleeping people my trying to get out of my seat causes kind of a commotion. So I'm starting to get these people looking back at me. I walk as fast as I can to the rear of the airplane. And I start trying to get into the restroom, which is locked and occupied. look at the other one occupied. I got nowhere to go. And I'm like, you know, bang, 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 pulling on him. And this is just all happening way too fast. And I'm sweating and I'm, I know it's going to go bad very, very soon. And I look up and like all these people in the airplane now looking at me, they've got their swiveled back, their heads are now facing me. And I look out at them and there's like this long, silent moment of me looking at them, them looking at me and me just going, mm-hmm. and it was just too late. And I, I grabbed the hat off my head, pulled it in front of my face <laughs> and I just yark in front of all these people. As one, all the heads swiveled back forward. Like, no one wanted to see this, but it was too late. And I yarked in my hat. Just, oh. and the, the hellish thing is. The fucked up smell, dude. Well, The that smell and, of puke would waft for like 20 rows. Oh, yeah. People had to smell me. People had to hear me. Oh. People had to see me. And I had to wear that hat in basic for like the next. That was... <laughs> 
That was your basic hat? Yes. Holy that was my shit. cover. Oh, wow. Hellacious. And so I'm flying up to Seattle. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, thank God. I'm going to attempt to keep everything that uh, that's inside my body when I get on the plane. I want it to remain inside my body when I get off the plane, except for the lung full of air, perhaps, that I, I took in. Well, see that it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I, as I mentioned, uh, you're coming up for PAX. And this uh, episode is going to be something a little bit different. Normally, we feature one independent musician or act on an episode and feature their music. This time, we're going to kind of base this around PAX. It's going to be a, sort of a Northwest Nerdcore episode. So this week we've got Super Commuter, whose brand new album, Products of Science, has just hit. We've got an interview with Stenobot and Tron Juan from Super Commuter. That's very cool. Also, Cloff and Pop will be joining us. We've got an interview with him and a couple of tunes. And Alien Bob Z, who is a gentleman who does live recordings of all kinds of music, but specifically... Nerdcore, and uh, we're going to speak with him a little bit and play a couple of live cuts that he's recorded. So we've got kind of a really cool mix of stuff for you this week musically, and I hope you enjoy it. Absolutely. Enjoy it. The tune we open the show with is DMG We Trust in Thee from Products of Science, and uh, there will be more from Super Commuter coming up. But first, Gord. Yes? What pisses you off? You know what pisses me off? I live in... I live in, like, the bicycle capital of the universe. There are more bike lanes than there are car lanes where I live. It is so easy to ride a bike where I live. This town has got bike lanes everywhere. Big, fat, open bike. The bike lanes are so big that people come from out of town occasionally and don't realize what they are, and they drive in them with their car thinking it's a car lane, okay? <laughs> That pisses me off. But that's not what I'm talking about. What pisses me off is living in this town, walking down a sidewalk downtown, and having some nardhole riding their bicycle on the sidewalk at me where I have to get out of the way to keep from getting hit by a person on a bike when there is a bike lane right next to the sidewalk that they could be riding in. People, get off the sidewalk. God, that piss. I'm like walking with my kids. I'm holding hands with my youngest. And I have to pull him out of the way of some freshman college girl riding her bike on the sidewalk next to her boyfriend who's riding his bike on the sidewalk, yapping away. I want to put a stick through your spokes. Knock it off. <laughs> pisses me off. Yeah. I, what about I, you? What I pisses can understand. You off? I mean, you know, there are times where there is no bike lane and you kind of feel like you need to get up on the sidewalk. Yeah. To save your own life from getting, you know, sideswiped by a semi. But Absolutely. that said, you know, if there is a bike lane, by all means, you should be using it. But you know what pisses me off? Lately, I've been, you know, we I listen to a lot of music, different kinds of music all the time. And lately, with my new job, I, I kind of like to have a little music going in the background, something kind of to keep me going. I can't really listen to podcasts so much while I'm working now and with the new thing because I have to be focused on what I'm doing. But it's kind of nice to have some music. And back in the day when I was first starting at Borders, I was working with a guy who was a big jazz fan. And so he kind of got me into a lot of really great jazz music, like, you know, John Coltrane and Mingus and... Duke Ellington and just a lot of really neat stuff that I kind of stockpiled at the time. So I have a pretty decent jazz collection. And, you know, I'm just kind of breaking it out again and checking it out because I'm finding that that's kind of a good music to get my morning going. 
And a lot of these things that I own are like these reissues. And what pisses me off is like when the, the tracks are sequenced on a jazz reissue so that it's two versions of the same song and then the next song, two versions of that. And then the next song, two versions of that. I can't understand for the life of me, why don't they play the album as it was originally and then put the bonus tracks on at the end? I don't want to hear the same fucking song twice in a row. especially That's unlistenable. Not... It is. And it's you can't even focus on it. And I mean, it's amazing music. This is like Miles Davis and John Coltrane that I was listening to this morning. And yet, every song is like, fuck, didn't I just hear that? Oh, yeah, I did. Over and over and over again. Totally fucking annoying. And, you know, I mean, these box sets at the time, I don't know what I paid. I was getting a discount at Borders, but, you know, it's like a $70 CD set that I got I got a good deal on. But still, 70 bucks for a bunch of songs in unlistenable order? You can't put that shit on at dinner. <laughs> no, you cannot. You know, your wife would look at you, yeah, fucking Aleutian Sparrow, I just heard this shit. So, come on, motherfuckers, don't do that. Sequence stuff right. Put the album on in its entirety the way it was originally released, and then bonus tracks at the end. Thank you. Are we going to listen to some music now? Let's do. This is from the brand new Supercommuter album, Products of Science. Something very cool. This tune features Reunited, Stumblebee, and Wheelie Cyberman from Optimus Rhyme. This is, yes, this is Natural Immunity. I am feeling super, not a lot of people on the train and I don't miss the pushing or complaining, look it's raining, I don't mind it, I don't pay attention to the climate, where a watchman never wanted, it doesn't matter what the time is, it's wonderful, terrific, great, let me explain in a specific way, one day rolled out of bed, everyone was gone, didn't really get it, what was going on, it was nothing big, it was something small, itty bitty bug came and killed them all, somebody like me lived through natural immunity, So happy that I live to witness this Just miss one tiny little perk Home delivery, it no longer works Crawl 
in. Right here, there's a dozen crawling. So near, I can pet them all in. Each year, watch them all evolving. <laughs> Once again, that was Natural Immunity by Super Commuter. And joining me now is two-thirds of Super Commuter. That, that's like seven regular commuters, right? <laughs> two-thirds of a Super Commuter. Uh, Stenobot, a.k.a. Andrew, and Tron Juan, a.k.a. Josh. How you guys doing? Doing good. Thank good. you so much for joining us on the Bone Bat Show, man. Thanks for having us. Oh, you bet. So only two-thirds of you could make it, huh? Yeah, um, we're trying to figure out actually where Wheelie is. I think he might, is he at the Pokemon National Championships, or was that last weekend? It might be. He's always out of town at some kind of Pokemon thing, so. I always imagine Wheelie, he's like a superhero. He just disappears and he's saving someone's life. He is, he's very, he's very (laughs) mysterious. He's a, he's a man of mystery. (laughs) Yeah, we love him. We wish he was here. So tell me, to me, Super Commuter is such a kind of a cool amalgamation with the mix of the chip tunes and also rap, how how do you guys categorize yourselves? Well, you know, it's funny. Like, I think we sort of like stumble into the nerdcore category, but um, I don't think that's really anything that we try to do. I think I'm really into eight bit stuff and making music on my Game Boy, mm-hmm. and Wheelie's really into hip hop. So it's just it just kind of is what it is when it came together. I don't I don't really know how I would categorize it. So it's almost chip hop. Is that a thing? I've heard that before, yes. <laughs> I have not heard that, but that might be an apt description. Yeah, it seems, so, it seems about right. So, Andrew, how did you get started with chiptunes? I mean, I, I'm a guy who, at one of millions, who owned a Game Boy, but it never occurred to me to make bitchin' music with it. Well, I, I discovered it through, um, I used to work for Nintendo, and I wrote for Nintendo Power Magazine for a number of years, mm-hmm. and... I wanted to start a section of the magazine that was all about sort of like Nintendo-themed communities. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I stumbled across was the chiptune stuff, because it just fit perfectly into what I wanted to write about. And by the time I discovered it, it had already been around for a number of years, and I just I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I, I couldn't believe I'd never heard about it before. So I just I started like digging in as, as a journalist, trying to write an article about it. But um, even after the article was written, I just kept researching and talking to people, and I just couldn't stop. And then eventually I started doing it myself. It, like, infected you. That's awesome. It totally did. <laughs> I mean, and that was, like, six years ago, and I've been I've been a musician all my life, but I hardly touch my guitar or anything anymore just because I'm so obsessed with the Game Boy. So <laughs> That's really cool. So, Josh, how did you get involved in music? Well, I'm Andy's brother. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And he pretty much ropes me into everything he does. It's true. (laughs) And vice versa. Kicking and screaming. (laughs) 
So he's like the Bill Beats of Super Commuter. Then. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, originally they had been working on a lot of stuff before they approached me, and they just really needed somebody to pull the tracks into a, a sequencer and mix them. And that's kind of what I did mm-hmm. and what I still do. He does more than that, but he's like the glue that holds our crazy contraption together. <laughs> so Mixmaster T then? Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. So how did you hook up with Wheelie to start writing music? Well, um, so we both worked at Nintendo together. Mm -hmm. And at the time, he was in Optimus Rhyme, who, uh, as you know, is an amazing band. And they were going through a phase at the time, I think. This is the way I understood it, at least. This is my perspective. Wheelie's not here to defend himself, so I'll just go (laughs) for it. Um, They were going through a phase where they wanted to stop writing songs about robots because mm-hmm. it felt like they had too many songs about robots or something. <laughs> so I had been getting really into the Game Boy stuff, and Wheelie and I were friends, and so I started giving him tracks and telling him, you can write robots over my beats. <laughs> <laughs> All you want. <laughs> and, uh, and that's sort of how that first record came about, was just in little pieces we were handing stuff back and forth. But at the time, like I had other music projects, and... Wheelie was, you know, Optimus Rhyme was like his his thing. So mm-hmm. we we never really expected it to be anything except something that we were doing for fun. Like we, we literally would go out into the parking lot sometimes and I would put a CD on of stuff I'd recorded with my Game Boy and then he would like sing me lyrics in the car that he'd written. <laughs> and, that was cool. And we were just, we kept doing that. And then before we knew it, we had like seven or eight songs and then uh, we decided we were going to try to record it. I love the fact that for a form of electronic music, that it it was built so organically like that. It really was. I mean, it sort of just kind of came together. So you released the first album in 2009. Yeah. And we probably worked on that for like at least three years just because we weren't trying to make a record. We were just doing a song. And then a couple months later, we'd try another song. Mm-hmm. So, And then you performed live a few times, correct? Yeah, that wasn't until... We never performed live until after that record came out. So that was last year. And that was kind of just fine-tuning everything and learning how to work together, or...? Yeah, I mean, we just... We thought it'd be fun to try it live, and so we roped in Tron Juan here to try to, like, figure out how to do this stuff live. And we played one show. I think our first show was actually only a year ago or so. Was it? I don't know. Maybe longer than that. But it was really... We had so much fun. And... (laughs) We were surprised, like, how many people came out. So then we, we've been trying to play live more. And then I think we, we kind of took that momentum and decided to actually make another record set out and make it from the beginning. So, Which brings us to the new release, Products of Science. Yeah. So I presume that the first album, you spent a long time crafting the songs. And this probably had a little more momentum and direction to it. You probably had a little bit more of an idea of what you wanted to do. Yeah, definitely. I think I think well, one of the things that I can say as the Game Boy guy is that when we made that first record, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just kind of fumbling around. And then this record, the reason I wanted to make another record mainly is, is because I felt like I knew so much more about how to sequence with uh, Little Sound DJ and with the Game Boy. And there were so many tricks I'd learned that I wanted to try new stuff. And also, I think I felt more comfortable to try and write songs that I could bring like more of a melodic sensibility to, even though you know they were ultimately going to be hip hop songs. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, yeah, definitely. 
And then that brings us to probably your largest live show yet, your forthcoming uh, Taking the Main Stage at PAX. Yeah, by far. By far our biggest show. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be awesome, man. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, we're, we're pretty excited. I mean, it's sort of a dream show for us because it's just the ultimate place for a band like us to play. It's like people, the kind of people that go to PAX are our people. And I've, I've been to almost every pack since the beginning, and I feel so honored to be able to play for those people. So I think that's going to be a great show. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so are we. We're a little nervous, but we're looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot of people in one room at one time, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, then, in addition to your work with Super Commuter, you also recently, last year, released a solo album, correct? Yeah, it's, it's called Sink or Swim, We'll Go Together. And I started working on that, actually... Just a couple months after the first Supercommuter record was done, mm -hmm. because I didn't think we were going to do another Supercommuter record. And so I started trying to do some of my own stuff just to see what would happen. And it's very much dedicated to your son, correct? Yeah, actually, it was my son, Julian, who, uh, like, right when the Supercommuter record came out, it, it's kind of an interesting story. We had the record pretty much in the bag, and we were talking to a label, like a pretty small label, mm -hmm. about putting it out. And um, one of their their requirements for putting the record out was that we had to do like a certain amount of live shows. Right. And so we were we had agreed, okay, we're going to do that. We can do this. And then um, when my son was diagnosed with leukemia, we had to obviously shave a lot of extracurricular activity out of our lives. Me, mm -hmm. me and my brother both, who's awesome and been there with me the whole time. Certainly. So we decided that that was you know that was something that had to go. And we maybe we wouldn't even put the record out. Who knows. And so the label, you know, they were really cool, but they were like, yeah, we're not going to put it out if you guys can't play live. So we decided we'll just like put it out ourselves and see what happens. And then we thought uh, with my son and stuff, we've been spending so much time in the hospital. I think when you're there with a kid, you really see the effect that child's play has on a place like a children's hospital. Yeah. So we, uh, we just decided if we actually do like make any money on this record, let's just give it to child's play. So we put the record out ourselves and we did that. And then I was thinking at the time, I'm not going to play music for the next year or so. But the weird thing that happened was when I got home, like music actually became almost like a bigger part of my life because we were we were kind of cooped up in our little house and my son like has a little kid's drum set and he like mm -hmm. loves to play it. And that's like one of the only things that he could do at the time that I think was really bringing him joy. So um, him and I were just jamming a lot and a whole bunch of the songs in that record were actually written on the guitar and his little drum set. <laughs> and then I would sort of like reimagine them on the Game Boy. Right. But yeah, so I wrote the whole record in the middle of that first year where he was going through chemotherapy. And so it's definitely all about that experience and all about him and him dealing with that stuff. So. And it's it's a beautiful CD. It really is. The The songs are just wonderful. And I would suggest everyone check it out. And if they buy the CD from Crunchy Co. Records, the money goes to Child's Play, correct? Yeah, that record, we just we were able to make it for really low cost also because uh, Josh here, you know, mixed and produced the whole thing for me for free. So it, it was so cheap to make that we, we just give every, every penny to Child's Play. That's awesome. Nope. Well, no definitely... Reason. I can't recommend highly enough listeners to check it out. I first heard the song uh, Far Too Far on Radio Free Hipster and fell in love with that song. So that was kind of how I became familiar with the release. So as always, we owe thanks to Z. 
There's yeah, nothing thanks new Thanks so there. much for saying that. It's real nice. <laughs> <laughs> he's the man. What can I say? Yeah, he's great. <laughs> All right. So where can the listeners find Super Commuter's music? It's just supercommuter.net, right? Yeah, you can go to supercommuter.net, and then there's a, there's a link to the CD, or you can buy the digital from our site, which is basically Bandcamp. And Perfect. it's also available a couple other places. Actually, Penny Arcade put it up on their site today. They're, they're starting to do digital downloads for music, and so you can actually buy it in their store now. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so check it out, folks. So one last question I have for Andrew and Josh. question we ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show, what pisses you gentlemen off? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, many things, but... I, don't, I just don't get pissed off very easily. I, <laughs> you know, I can't think of the last time I've really been pissed. Nothing? I got pissed yesterday at the dog park. This guy had a beagle who was super aggressive with my little dog and was just biting, biting Boomer, like, over and over again. So I went over and tried to intervene and um, picked my dog up, and the beagle started jumping up on me and biting me. And I put my foot up just to kind of block him, and the dog owner came over and started yelling at me, accusing me of kicking his dog. Who <laughs> was biting your dog? Yeah. And it, it got pretty, pretty aggressive and, yeah ugly but dude that exact same thing happened to me <laughs> at Marymore park i was walking my dog and i had at the time my kids were little i don't know like three and seven or something like that and i've got my dog and my dog's a hyper dog but a happy dog doesn't fight or anything like that or was we don't have her anymore but we were trying to get her back in the car and all of a sudden like this small dog just comes barreling through the parking lot and just attacks and so I'm trying to keep my kids behind me. I'm trying to pull my dog back with the leash. And I'm basically just giving up my body to this little dog. And I'm swearing a blue streak. And the woman comes over who owns the dog. And she's just has a look on her face like she can't believe how what an insensitive pig I am. Yeah. And then she comes by in the car and it turns out she's pregnant. And... Then her husband run, comes over to me and starts just yelling at me for upsetting his pregnant wife. I'm like, I'm sitting here getting mauled. What the hell? So, dude, I totally know. Oh. Yeah, injustice, I guess. Do yeah, the whole the whole dog scene in, in <laughs> Seattle is, is a little bit strange. Everyone sort of treats their dogs like children. And that's the thing. When you have actual children, there's kind of like this rejogging of perspective. Because, you know, I'm trying to protect my kids. I don't want my dog to get hurt. But it's the actual children. I'm trying to keep from getting mauled. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. Steno doesn't get mad very easy. So I can't even think of anything to call him out on right now. I got mad yesterday, actually. Did? Yeah. There was a guy uh, with, like, an anti-abortion sign on a street corner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's fine. But it was, like, a really busy corner. And he had these, like, banners with, like, these really super graphic, horrible images on him. So I'm like driving by and I'm sitting in traffic and then I see that and my son's looking over there and I'm like, so I try to pretend like there's something on the other side of the street and I'm like, oh, Julian, what's that? Look over there. <laughs> and I just wanted to get out of the car and hit that guy. So oh. bad. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, isn't that in a way a form of terrorism? Yeah. Because right. it's one thing if you're trying to get the message across to other adults but it's collateral damage. A lot of times you have a church that's next to a school or something where folks are, you know, picketing and children end up seeing some gruesome shit that they don't necessarily need to be seeing at that age. Yeah, you just you just kind of get a different perspective when you're 
when you're a parent because all of a sudden you just you just want to like protect what goes into your kids' brains. But you know, I think we live in the the age of the internet where it's going to be impossible to do that. We do indeed. We but we we still have to try. And all, yeah, all we can do is hope that our kids don't listen to the Bone Bat Show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. What are we going to listen to next? Uh, the song is called It Is Splendid. It's my favorite song on the album. I think it's the last one we recorded. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a little long, but it's awesome. Well, let's check it out. Take a 
shit on the trip then had to be doomed when I'm over they ask me to back console crack warp drive battling battling I own mind unraveling they got me with a seat in battering yes it doesn't matter now look who's traveling sit back for the journey hope this trip this ship is sturdy no I'm slow but I am learning pay a lot of dough get a better attorney no I don't want to seem pessimistic all of my life and I know that I missed it I don't know I should have stepped up and insisted had my chance but I lost and I missed it I that they want to be on the edge of humanity beyond that to be the first but it's not so bad it could really be worse This is Stenobot from Super Commuter. You're listening to The Bone Bat Show. Once again, that was It Is Splendid, Tron One's favorite tune from the new album. And yes, everybody should go check out the CD, Sink or Swim Will Go Together. You can find that at crunchycode.com. All of the proceeds from that CD do go to child's play and it is an amazing cd and one of the things we forgot to mention in the interview uh, steno said that his son is doing really well it's a long recovery process but he's doing great and to look at him you wouldn't even know so that's fantastic news and what's a long battle for him uh you know i always want to have a snappy comeback and make fun of you for whatever you're saying but i'm having trouble doing that with this stuff <laughs> Well, every once in a while, you have to, you know, show evidence that you've got a soul. <laughs> <laughs> My silence is evidence that I have a soul. <laughs> Very nice. A, a blackened, tiny, crusty little soul. So, dude, last week you busted out a tinfoil rant. And last week, what the fuck are we doing back-to-back shows for again? I don't know. It hurts. It, it, it does. It's kind of like I'm still sore. My mouth is still sore. Like, you know how you go jogging for the first time in, like, a year? <laughs> Your mouth is sore? And the next day... <laughs> You're all achy. That's how my mouth is from two weeks of this shit. Are you jogging to a rest stop? <laughs> Meeting no, some truckers? I am not. What are you doing? I don't know. But uh, so last week you busted a new kind of rant. Usually you yeah. go political. Last week you dropped some science with your tinfoil rant. What do you have lined up this week? Yeah, well, it was still a political rant. It was just a tinfoil hat political rant. I'm going somewhere I've never gone before this. I'm going to a sports political rant. Really? Yeah, really. Specifically, Vlade Divac, former Sacramento <laughs> King. He's been out of the league for six years. It's time to put him in the Hall of Fame. Not because he is one of six players with 9,000 rebounds and 3,000 assists and 1,500 block shots. No, not because most NBA players are just exuding hubris and arrogance from their very pores, LeBron douchebag. Well, Vlade has always been a humble person. And where other players in the NBA tend to amass their wealth and fame for the purposes of wealth and fame... Hold on, that's just not fair. What about MTV Cribs? 
<laughs> what about it? That's another reason. I mean, come on. Yeah, I get the bitches, the hoes, the whips. Exactly. That, that's kind of my point. No, Vlade should not be in the Hall of Fame for not being that. He shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because he, his peacemaking attempts in the Balkans. And this is a basketball player, and he's a peacemaker. Not because of his immense personality. Not because of all the charity and the humanitarian things that this guy has done. From Africa to the former Yugoslavia. Not for all of that. Not because at 20 years old, Divac was one of five guys from Central Europe that came to the NBA without even going through an American college. Not because Vlade Divac came over here from his homeland during a time of immense political strife and became part of an American pastime. It became the only Serbian face we saw on TV that we didn't associate with genocide. Not because he stood up to some of the most horrific genocidal assholes that our last century has seen. No. And not because he and his Serbian teammates handed Team USA Dream Team their collective asses in the World Championship in 1996. No, not because of any of that. The reason Vlade Divac needs to be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame is because that man invented the flop. And that is my political sports rant. I don't think he invented it, but he certainly perfected it. <laughs> I don't know if he, he really invented it either, but yeah, the man could flop like nobody's business. Son of a bitch. That guy spent more time on his back on hardwood. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going for the Wilt Chamberlain joke here? Which... I don't even know where I'm going with that. But <laughs> the bullshit acting jobs he would do of falling on his back on the floor and he'd get the fucking foul. It he was like fouled. 70% of the time he was not touched. He was fouled. He was not touched. And that's because the Sonics can't play basketball. I hate that guy. Yeah, not anymore. That's just depressing. I need another song. All right. What do you got? Let's check out a tune from Cloffin' Pop. This is one that I picked just for you. I know you like songs about the maths. I do. This is Prime Obsession. Shit started. I'm running hot, burning diesel on my prime target. I've got the directive to kill all under numbers, disposing with composite and nail. And then precisely, I'm eliminating negative two. In fact, it's right into the writing of this verse, imbued with rhymes, composed of individual words, conveyed with rhythm. The factors are articles and verbs, mathematical prose with these specs, the wrong sum. When you go to check your answers, the best is yet to come. I break the conventions of this hip hop shit. Apple blood slaying your preconceptions, textures the rift, for setting your mind free, your brain let out of its cage, cause I'm about to repeat. This verse, it gets strange Cause the wrecked manner that I retain Only prime shows obsession On the part of the author of this rhyme It's time this mind started running on prime The numbers with precisely two factors Writing rhymes with the mathematical specs On check, best break out your text For your brain gets wrecked Prime obsession, promulgating rhymes Intrinsically mathematic, everyone behind scenes Exuding symptomatic signs Indications of neurotic prime Obsession Knowledge like subjective perspective for everyone Not promiscuates over partiality Knowing a lot of screws, promulgation, feeling empty Nomenclature, propagating organic personality Kinetical questions, omnipotent, perpetrations Like any stays here, spread no principality Keeping the boys, the order pulls For everyone in our presuppose, obfuscating practicality Alright, once again, that was the math-tastic tune Prime Obsession by Cloth and Pop 
And joining us I, now... I actually prefer the term mathemagical. Mathemagical? Okay, my apologies. Either. i, I got to get this shit right. <laughs> joining us now is Josh Kloffenstein, or Kloffenpop, as he is more regularly known. How you doing, sir? Quite well. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. So I've been noticing that lately you seem to be the hardest working man in Nerdcore, man. Yeah, I don't know if that's a compliment or it's just a... a <laughs> uh, but probably just a testament to my, my lack of uh, schedule organization skills. You're like the James Brown of Northwest Nerdcore. I mean, you're everywhere. You're, 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 like, you're, you're like Herpes Simplex 2 of Nerdcore. Exactly. You're I putting am. together compilations. You're producing other folks' tracks. You've got not one but two albums on the eve of coming out. It's amazing, man. Yeah, I don't have a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed that we got you here, frankly, on the show. It, that was a get for us. Oh, well, thank you. That's that's encouraging. That is an honor to hear, Tell albeit me. probably inaccurate. Yeah, it's Have probably... you ever been called a get before? <laughs> a get? Did uh, I say a get? I've, I've been called a get plenty of times. Uh... <laughs> so tell me kind of how you got started Nerdcore yourself. Uh, yeah, well, my friend Andy, who uh, you guys may know as Stenobot from... Stenobot and Supercommuter. You just heard his interview. Ah, I did, in fact. <laughs> it was brilliant, uh, wasn't it? You just don't yeah. know it. <laughs> uh, we, we've been friends for a while, and he actually introduced me to chiptune music and ended up giving me my first Game Boy, my first LSDJ cart. So, you know, we would send stuff back and forth we were working on. I sent him one, and uh, he liked it so much, he asked me, hey, will you remix my band? And I was like, totally, man. Send me a link myspace.com slash supercomputer I checked it out I was like fuck what why is nobody making hip hop with all Game Boy beats everyone should be doing this this is amazing and then I saw a little link to Optimus Rhyme I was like this is amazing Yeah. and then I saw a link to Nerdcore Rising on there and I was like this is amazing wow and I was like oh MC Frenelot's a real guy I thought that was a skit on G4 <laughs> <laughs> He now gets I'm, that a lot, I think. Yeah. And now I'm a huge Frontalot fan. That got me into the, the early Rhyme Torrance compilations, and I found Beefy, MC Lars, MC Chris, and then quickly learned that MC Lars only has a couple good songs, and I mostly liked it for the production. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I have no beef with MC Lars. It's just kind of ironic that... He always wants to make fun of the white kids that can't rap and thus try to label themselves nerdcore when he doesn't really ever realize that he was the first, oh, hey, that white guy can't really rap well. He must be nerdcore. <laughs> oh, please. There have been a lot of white boys that have not rapped well. Vanilla Ice. <laughs> true. True. That's a good point. I guess he, he didn't rap about Tetris, though. That's true. I don't know. As far as, as, far as like, proto-nerdcore, I, I mean, I kind of put even, like, Adam and his package in that same bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you. I guess you could do that. I mean, those guys, you know, Gift the Gab, Freestyle Fellowship, anyone from Project Blowed, you know. So then, when did you start recording your own stuff? Yeah, well, I was. I mean, I've always been uh, a huge underground hip hop fan. My big brother uh, raised me as a hip hop snob. I think you know some of the first hip hop he ever gave me was like Sage Francis and Gift the Gab, Jurassic Five, um, Atmosphere, that kind of thing. Yeah, Atmosphere for sure, AC Alone, Feral Monch, Mars Ill. You know, a lot of the guys that are still my, you know, my favorite to this day. 
and I, you know, I grew up hating radio rap and, you know, never knew until my brother introduced me that, you know, when I was about 12 years old to this amazing underground hip hop. And so I'd always just been a huge fan. And, uh, you know, I mean, when we were in high school, you know, we all try to write a, a rap or two, but never really put much work into it and it didn't sound good. <laughs> but I mean, I've been making music and producing as long as I can remember, you know, just up my game starting. Well, I guess the Super Commuter remixes were the first ones. And then I started writing my own raps. I knew I, I wasn't a good writer yet. So I was like, well, I just need to work on my rap voice. So I was like, okay, I'll just do a bunch of covers of other rap songs. Right. And so that was uh, what was originally going to be an album called So The Studio Wants a Rap Song, <laughs> entirely made up of uh, covers of over-expository movie rap songs. Yeah. And uh, that's where Turtle Power came from. And uh, we wrote Don't Panic for that one, actually. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be a bunch of, you know, chiptune covers of those. And then we were going to do Don't Panic, our own, you know, movie rap song. And then Stenobot was going to do a remix of a chiptune version of that. Mm -hmm. But then we realized that intentionally recording a bunch of other people's music because it wasn't good and that was funny... <laughs> probably wasn't a good technique for becoming a good rapper <laughs> you could have excelled at being bad <laughs> indeed alas a few too many people in nerdcore do that already <laughs> that's a, that's a good deal of self-realization though pretty early in the game to go wait a minute let's yeah, let's try it, let's it try something else because i'd sure i'd never uh like finished an album before and it was hard not feeling like you know oh shit i'm abandoning an album halfway through am i ever gonna finish an album or is, am i, I going to do this every time right but it, it came down to it really being the right thing to do i mean it, it was gonna be bad i had beefy was doing gonna be featured on space jam and <laughs> 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 to this day we still can't get through you know more than a, a few shows without playing men in black because the crowd just demands it eventually <laughs> It's rough, man. The whole crowd gets in on the instructional dance breakdown. I'm ready to move on from that whole thing, but apparently the fans aren't. So right now, you're working with a couple of different crews, correct? Yeah, I'm working with Torrance right now. Torrance is basically a vision that was created by Milk Plus, who's a, a guy from the UK. A great producer, rapper, singer, instrumentalist, and... Uh, the three core producers, really, that start tracks are Milk Plus, myself, and Fatback Supreme mm -hmm. from the Midwest. And um, it's, it's essentially us and whoever we can get on tracks, as many collabs as possible. I, I counted it up, and including the three of us in just two EPs, including the one that's about to be coming out, we've got over 30 people featured on the albums. Damn. That's like We Are the World. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then you also have your solo album, which is going to be coming out shortly, Temptations of the French. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it kind of came out. I, I haven't released it online yet, but I've been selling it at shows for a few months. They're selling it at the Pink Gorilla video game stores. Mm -hmm. But basically, I can't really sell it online yet because I've got uh, several tracks on there that were uh, collabs with other people whose albums haven't come out yet. And <laughs> I want to be respectful to them and not release it before their stuff, uh, including the, the Torrance album. Right. So... If you've been to a show, you've had the opportunity to buy a live disc or if you, you pop in the Pink Gorilla. But um, I actually uh, just sold out of those at Nerdapalooza when I was down in Orlando. Sold my last one. Oh, wow. So you're going to have yeah. to go sold out before it's even released online. That's amazing. Yeah. And you're going to have to go uh, back to press, man, before uh, PAX. 
I know. I'm going to have to do a little homebrew short run. I do like all the packaging myself. I mean, I really feel that all music is free on the internet, whether or not people want to admit it or not. You know, it's a matter of whether you want to pretend that's not the case or whether you want to accept that and try to work within that paradigm. And so I can't really see charging full price for my music online ever. A premium physical product is what people really want to pay for. You know, they want to have a cool looking screen printed disc that has a cloth and pop logo on it. They want a really cool case. I put the CDs in decommissioned floppy disk cases mm-hmm. and I've got <laughs> rubber stamps that I use to put my logo on the labels and I write it up like it's a, a game label on a floppy disk and I put in little inserts that have really uh, kind of intimate behind the scenes details about each song. You know, I mean, if there's not something besides just the music that people are paying for, people really aren't going to want to pay for it other than just, hey, I want to give you some money because I want to support what you're doing. Right. In which case, you know, they'll just do that. I had a guy, we played at AFK Tavern and I've got shirts and everything for sale. Some guy just came up and gave the merch girl a 20 and she was like, oh, what do you want to get? He's like, no, I just love the show. I just wanted to tip a little bit. That's the paradigm we're living in, you know? Right. People will pay if they want to and if not, they won't pay, but they'll still get it. Well, yeah, because people, you know, fans like myself know that if you don't support those acts that you really deem worthy and valuable, they're not going to be around for you. They're not going to be making Mm -hmm. that new music. So, yeah. And I mean, with the state of the music industry and copyright laws, no one can really function as a music fan and obey the letter of the law at this point. It's just a weird transition point where the laws haven't really caught up with reality and become relevant again. Yeah, that's totally true. Like by having a browser on your machine, you're technically breaking copyright law. You know, it's a tool that could be used to break copyright, so so it's illegal. It's ridiculous. There's so many loopholes. I mean, anyone with access to Google can download a a stream capture program in about five seconds. Anything can be streamed online without anybody getting sued. If you search for any song online, you know, one of the first two links on Google is going to be a site like bmp3.com or allmp3s.com where you can download it for free absolutely free and it just says by downloading this you are saying that you will delete it within 48 hours and are only downloading it for preview purposes i mean the the loopholes are just you could drive a truck through them and it just makes the laws irrelevant you know yeah a law that you can't enforce that requires no one to obey it is kind of pointless and really a mockery of the legal system Cool, I don't have to do a political rant this time. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Taken care of, sir. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about PAX. You've got a lot going on in a few short weeks. I do. Man. So PAX Friday, first night of PAX. I'm doing a show at Elcor Zone with Johnny Nero, action hero, very good friend of mine, just moved to the area. I'm such a huge fan. As soon as I found out he was in town, I immediately booked like five shows with him. (laughs) (laughs) And the proto-men, the freaking proto-men, who I'm stoked to be playing with again. They opened up for I Fight Dragons myself down in uh, Nerdapalooza in Orlando. It was awesome hanging out with them. They're all great guys and put on an amazing show. And their albums are just stellar. (laughs) We are are familiar. Yeah. (laughs) At PAX, I'm going to be on the Nerdcore panel, and we're going to be talking about kind of the history of Nerdcore, how it started, where it's going, why it was successful. Then I'm actually doing a panel of my own called Making Art from Art, and it's going to be um, myself, The Missing Link, who uh, was the founder of Zelda Blog, the 
kind of definitive Legend of Zelda fanfic website. MC117, who was also on the Nerdcore Now compilation, did the track Bulbasaur, which was a parody of Handlebars. And Bill Beats, who is the producer and DJ turntablist for Death Star, really versed in creating beats from samples. Death Star is going to be moderating that panel. And uh, I'm really honored that Mega Ran is going to be a part of that as well. You'll be sitting in with us. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to that panel. That's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and we're going to be talking about how fanfic, Rule 34, Nerdcore, even hip-hop, you know, the thing that they all have in common is that their art based on other pieces of art. Hip-hop was founded off of, you know, turning funk samples into new beats to make into new songs. You know, we're going to talk about where the philosophical and artistic line is between making something new and just rehashing something where parody falls into that and uh, where homage becomes infringement. Thank you for not saying homage. <laughs> <laughs> homage. Yeah, and I'm super stoked. We got three great, great, great artists that are going to be involved in that uh, as far as visual artists for uh, the slideshow that we're going to be showing throughout it. Mark Gill Perez, I met down in Nerdapalooza, who does amazing half pixel art and half high fidelity, realistic looking stuff. He'll do like a split screen of a one-up mushroom. And dude, like what the other half is just hyper realistic and it's all hand painted acrylic. Wow, that it's sounds really phenomenal cool. work. Huh. Yeah. And then um, Kevin Esslinger does really good pop surrealism. Actually, my wife and I met him and bought a print of his uh, really great kind of Dolly tribute of the Cheshire Cat. And then one of my favorite artists of all time for years now is. Uh, Justin Hillgrove, who's actually from Woodenville. Uh, I actually just had the privilege of buying an original work of his, a watercolor, and I'm so stoked about it. You can look it up on his site. It's called Making Up Harry and Voldemort. It's this really cute rendition of Harry Potter and Voldemort, and they're smiling and holding hands. <laughs> and it's just uh, phenomenal. I'm truly just shocked that I was able to get you know the original before someone else snatched it up. And he also contributed dozens of pieces for us to display as uh, really great examples of what we're going to be talking about. Very cool. And then the Monday night after PAX, you're kind of doing the post-PAX party. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of become the unofficial official PAX after party. Uh, it's going to be myself, Mega Ran, and MC Frontalot at the Nectar Lounge down in Fremont. It's going to be <laughs> so a hell of a show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really just stumbled into all this. <laughs> <laughs> Online, people are like, oh, man, you totally deserve it. You earned it. You paid your dues, man. I'm like, if anyone really knew how these just haphazardly fell together, <laughs> they'll be like, you are the luckiest son of a bitch in the world. <laughs> and I really am. <laughs> well, that's all, and you're making the most of it. So that that's what yeah. you need to do, man. You got to run with it. I have, I have no delusions as to the state of my musical career. <laughs> so one of the things that I think is cool about your work, Klopp, is that not only are you kind of forwarding Nerdcore, but you're also helping propagate it with bringing other artists along and these production tools that you've released recently. Yeah. A few months back, I released the Nerdcore DJ Toolkit Volume 1. I mean, essentially, it was... It was Exactly the same kind of stuff sonically that you would find on on any good scratch toolkit, but it was really nerdy themed stuff. You know, I got 
Leroy Jenkins screaming, Leroy! I got a clip of Captain Hammer talking about his penis. And <laughs> instead of the regular, I got NES noises that sound like that too in Scratchwell. And, um, you know, bleeps and bloops that people are, are used to and stuff like that. You know, the kind of tools that any other scene has, but Nerdcore just doesn't have yet. And a lot of a lot of the Nerdcore producers I've encountered, some of them are really cool and really open and willing to share, you know, kind of their secrets. But a lot of them are really closed up and, you know, like secretive about what tools they use and what plugins they're using and how they're doing stuff. And that doesn't help anyone, man. Come on, you know? I mean, no one's in Nerdcore to become a millionaire. It, well, I don't know if they are, but no one is going to become a millionaire from Nerdcore. It should be about helping people, you know, investing in people. Yeah, a uh, couple guys I'm working with right now, Jake Bit. He was on the Nerdcore Now compilation. He was on the main disc, and we're working on an EP of his. He's actually in my live band. He's my hype man, and he has been leveling up really fast. Like he's becoming a way better rapper than me, and it's kind of embarrassing because he's hyping me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does. You know, we do a couple of his tracks in the set, and he just kind of schools me. <laughs> But then I'm also working a lot with uh, MC117, who's a good friend of mine, who had the Bulbasaur track that we mentioned on the uh, the Nerdcore Now compilation. It's just been really cool to you know work with a lot of these up and coming guys who are just crazy talented, but don't have any production resources whatsoever. You know, and so I can go listen to their MySpace, and you know the audio sounds like garbage, but you can hear just really quality writing and delivery behind that. I sell beats every once in a while, so I'm able to afford a, a nice mic and so I can have friends over and come get you know really good quality vocal tracks and it's cool to be able to have the opportunity to, to invest in these guys you know yeah absolutely it's the kind of stuff that I, I wish you know someone had done for me back in the day so I kind of want to do it for other people so, I mean otherwise I'm just sitting here on my ass alone with an extra really cool mic not using it <laughs> you know <laughs> so where can our listeners find your stuff man Cloughandpop.com. Pretty much all my music is at cloughandpop.com slash music for free download. I got lyric sheets up there, annotated lyric sheets. Um, so if you wanna if you wanna see what was actually going on in Prime Obsession, I've got it all uh, charted out there. And you need to. Cool. Well, dude, the question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bash Show: What pisses Clough and Pop off? Bad rap. I hate bad rap, man. I fucking. Oh, every time I hear some kid who's, you know, writing their demo, trying to imitate radio rap, talking about how rich they are and rapping about their car parts and their jewelry, it, it's just so irrelevant to them. It's, uh, you know, if the only rap someone ever listens to is written by rich black guys rapping about how promiscuous they are, and you're a middle-class white kid who lost his virginity last year, you imitating them will never turn out well. I've got a track called Tough Guys, uh, G-U-I-S-E, which is kind of my, my rant on one of these guys. Uh, his name was Smoke One Major League Spitters. It's awful. Uh, but it's kind of my, my diatribe on, on Top 40 Hip Hop, and I've got a line in there that I'm really proud of that kind of sums up my thoughts on rap it says uh hip-hop ain't about bitches bubbly or blunts being a baller with bullets or the baddest boy on the block it ain't about you overcompensating insecure fakers it's about mcs and djs painters and breakers well 
Well said. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, what are we going to listen to next? Oh, we're listening to Serial, right? Absolutely. It's myself, Mr. Spastic, who is one of my favorite chiptune producers on the beat. Cosplay from Death Star on one of the verses. And then Mark with a C, singing a little bit at the end. So you this said track- you have a, a little something to say about this song. Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to uh, talk about this in public, but pretty much half of the entire nerdcore scene is in on the joke at this point, so I guess it doesn't really matter. So th- this track is going to be on the new the Torrance album that's coming out uh, at the end of this month, The Big Kahuna, and it's going to be released on Scrub Club. But in putting this song together, uh, so first part of this song was, was me getting the beat from Mr. Spastic, and then... Um, I got cosplay on the track, and uh, the song never really had a chorus. It was just kind of a, a day in the life, and it was, you know, a couple verses, and then it, we added Steve's verse, uh, cosplay. So Milk hits me up one day, Milk Plus, who's also in Torrance, and he says, Hey, Clop, I got Mark with a C to write a hook for the serial song. <laughs> I was like, for real? Well, that is pretty awesome, because Mark with a C has a couple really good songs. You know, some sometimes his writing can be a little iffy, you know, but when he when I can tell he's putting effort into it, he makes some really good stuff, writes really cleverly. And so I was like, I, I think he'll be a good fit for this track. I can't wait to hear it. So the day that I got the files from Mark with a C, I was, I was very anxious to hear them. I got the email at work, so I opened them up at work. I don't have Pro Tools or nothing at work. Uh, so I opened up the zip file and... It was all the the actual stems separated out. So I just listened to the first one alphabetically. So this isn't the entire thing. This is just one of the tracks. And so I press play. All I can hear is a fan that's way too loud and the beat for the song way too loud in headphones. So it's just this... It's like, what is this? And about 30 seconds in, I hear... <laughs> I'm like, what? But there's still like background noise and stuff. So I'm listening. About 30 more seconds later here. Fruity pebbles. I'm just like, what is this? What the fuck did Mark with a C do to my song? What is this shit? What? And so I finally get home. So I throw it in Pro Tools. I mix it all together, line it up. And I listen to the whole thing. And, um... The song is called Serial, but it's just a day in the life, basically. And then we we hide the names of serials in the lyrics, but never used as the name of Serial. Right. Uh, you know, so it's, it's all just wordplay, but I'm never actually talking about Serial. And uh, so I get home, I listen to, to what is supposed to be the chorus for this song. And I'm like, um... <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. It, it is the chorus for a different song. The point of a chorus is supposed to tie the whole song together and kind of sum up the gist of the song, and it has nothing to do with my song. It is literally eight bars of bad rhymes about how much he likes Fruity Pebbles. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I email Milk, hey, uh, so, you know, I'm trying to be delicate because he put himself out there and, and got Mark with a C to to write a hook for this song and mark's a really popular guy he won you know orlando weekly's like best artist of the indie artist of the year last year he's got a huge following and so i'm like milk um first off you rock 
for getting Mark to contribute to the track. Thank you. You know, I totally understand the value of having Mark on the album. You know, just the draw that that will bring. I'm totally down with this chorus remaining on the song just for that purpose alone. But this has nothing to do with anything else in the song whatsoever. And uh, Milk replied, and he's like, yeah, it does kind of sound like he spent about 10 seconds writing. It doesn't. <laughs> so I was like, oh, thank God. I thought I was the only one. And so we went back and forth to try and figure out what to do about it. And um, for a while, we've been doing kind of a live intro to the song where we get the whole crowd at the show start chanting beforehand. Snap, crackle, clap. Snap, crackle, clap, and pop. And we had cosplay on the song, so... We added the second half as snap, crackle, cost, don't stop. And we're like, well, you know, we can use that for the chorus. And maybe we can throw Mark's part um, at the end of the song as kind of a bridge. And I was like, but that transition is going to be rough and not make any sense. So they're all right, let's break it down. My song says, hey, this is a day in life. And Mark's bridge says, I like cereal. <laughs> So beforehand, I just need to make it goofy as shit and ask Mark, hey, Mark, do you like cereal? (laughs) And so me and Cosplay from Death Star did a little skit in between that I think helped bridge that gap pretty well. And I'm I'm pretty proud with how the the end product of the song turned out. But uh, I think my favorite comment by anyone, Mad Hatter from Scrub Club and King Phoenix let me uh, stay in their room. Uh, Friday night before Nerdapalooza because I had to get there a day early before my, my hotel room was booked. And I was telling them that story. Story ends and everyone's just kind of cracking up and a uh, good three-second pause and Mad Hatter just goes, well, he really missed the mark with a C, didn't he? Duh! <laughs> <laughs> and so I, uh, that cracked me up. But yeah, that, uh, that, that it was kind of a scary file to receive and try to figure out what to do with, but I, I think the end product turned out. And you guys will hear how that sounds in just a sec. All right, well, let's check it out. Thanks for joining us on the show, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Got home, see wifey get my honey smacks Lay my checks on the table, cause I'm freezing up the flax Plus my honey's going nuts, with the cheery squeals and o's It's like I love the excite bike and I'm hitting the turbos I got the munchies, so I'm making breakfast for lunch I bite that brutally burnt bread and hear that cinnamon toast crunch Hit the store for some milk, the shady cats by the dairy chiller Dude's looking at me like some Adam's family serial killer Turns, grabs an apple jacks and runs for the door But I grab him by the hoodie, drag him down to the floor Knock off his cap and crunch his nose and say, want some more? Crunch, ain't Nobody fuck with my grocery store. Snap, crackle, clap. Snap, crackle, clap and pop. Snap, crackle, cause. Snap, crackle, cause no stop. Snap, crackle, clap. Snap, crackle, clap and pop. Snap, crackle, cause. Snap, crackle, cause.
Cause don't stop. Cosplay served hot on this verse. Please submerse yourselves while I'm raising my brand first. Let me tell you, yeah, I got the lyrics on this jam. I'm a balanced badass measured out in golden grams. Keep it crisp like a cookie. Ewok to a Wookiee. Yo, I'm lucky with the charms. Draw you in like build a sookie. Looky, looky, grape nut on stage. Huff and puff. Cuckoo rhymes with Coca Flow. You'll never get enough. MC of champions, call me. Special cosplay. Get you wet with my dry wit. Delicious any time of day. Kidding me keeps it frosty. Nerding me keeps it leap. My rhymes are warm and toasty. Serving all your ears can eat. Snap, crackle, clock. Snap, crackle, clap and pop. Snap, crackle, cause. Snap, crackle, cause don't stop. Snap, crackle, clap. Snap, crackle, clap and pop. Snap, crackle, cause. Gotta hit the venue, cause I'm rocking the show. I'm sweet like sugar, crisp like toast, good for your heart like Cheerios. I grab a Mac and Jack's, it's golden, crisp, and delicious. Mike checks, mix set, system sounding vicious. And now it's time to start the show, like when the corn pops. I always bring the total package, so you know I get my props. Thoughts out in the open, mind strip bare naked. My flow's like Thai food, hot with a five star rating. These ain't no fruit loops, kids, they just straight beats. Get ready for the kaboom, cause I'm the cream of the wheat. When I rock the mic, you know I gotta get it just right. Like a bowl of cereal, it's just a day in the life. Man, cosplay, it sounds like you really like cereal. Fuck yeah, I do. I'm eating a bowl of kicks in the booth. Damn, you do like cereal. Hey, is that Mark with a C? Hey, Mark with a C, what up? Hey guys, what's up? Mark with a C, do you love cereal too? The only reason I get up at all, I have the energy to have a ball. I really do. Hi, this is Clough and Pop, and you're listening to the smooth sounds of the Easy Listening Bone Bad Show. All right, once again, that was Serial by Clough and Pop. I'm not sure, but I think his story might have been longer than the song itself, dude. I'm fairly sure the story was longer than the song, actually. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Clough. Once again, you can find his stuff at cloughandpop.com. And now... And now... Multimedia triage. So, so, why am I stuttering? I think it's because of the King's speech. I think that wore off on me. <laughs> you know what I'm digging? What's up? I kind of hate to break away from the nerdy, nerdcore theme we got going here, but I've been listening to Seun Kuti. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his first name right. S-E-U-N. Would you say Sean? Seun? Seun? Anyway, Fela Kuti's son, he had a few sons, Fela Kuti's son, Seun Kuti, and the band Egypt 80, which was Fela Kuti's band, his horn section and everyone, they have an album out, self-titled, and I'm I'm really digging it. If you like Fela Kuti, you'll like this. Like Fela Kuti's old stuff, it's angry, it's got a lot of horns, it's very danceable, there is a lot of musicianship going on, it's political, and... You know, it's not quite as good as Fela, but it is very well produced. And uh, the same band. It's rocking. That is uh, an act that I'm absolutely unfamiliar with. So I know you've mentioned Fela Kuti a few times on the show before, and it's something I haven't gotten around to. So I, I think I need to remedy that. We need some Afro pop in this show, man. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what else? Saw some movies. Yeah. Saw Horrible you? Bosses. 
Yeah, what'd you think of that? You know what? Any movie where I get to look at Jennifer Aniston taking off clothes is a good movie, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> movie was also funny. I, I liked it. I wouldn't say it set the world on fire. It wasn't. It got some terrible reviews. I didn't think it was worth those. It was a funny movie. You should watch it or rent it. It's probably a renter. How did it compare to like Dinner for Schmucks? No, not that funny. It wasn't that funny. Dinner for Schmucks. I hurt. Like I think I sprained something in my <laughs> inner left side laughing muscle. Yeah, it wasn't that funny. Oh, okay. What else? And I saw the Eagle. Have you seen the Eagle? I have not seen the Eagle. What is the Eagle? The Eagle is about. Now I'm a little fuzzy on my history. It's about Romans in Britain, and uh, apparently at some point the Romans pressed really far north and then had their asses handed to them. So they went, "Ah, that's far enough," and they built a wall. Hadrian's Wall or Hadrian's Wall? Yeah, yeah. It was after. It was long after they got their asses handed to them by Boudicca and London burned sent packing. This is after they'd come back and really set up shop in most of England. Anyway, the Ninth Legion was apparently. Uh, it went north and was taken out completely, and they lost their golden eagle standard. And it's the story of the son of one of those Roman soldiers going north of the wall to try to find the eagle standard. Very cool movie. It really well shot. The cinematography in it is excellent. The plot is pretty cool. He goes north with a slave that is one of the, the conquered people of the north. You know, So it's there's some interesting back-and-forth politics between the master and the slave once they get into that territory, you know, who really is the master and who is the slave because speaks the language, knows the land, knows the customs. Mm. Cool movie. The Eagle, you can watch it on Netflix, and you should. You know, I think that was a book. I think I actually read that novel. You probably did. It was maybe like five, six years ago. If not, it's a very similar story, but it was a very good book. So. Well, you know, a movie I saw finally that uh, has been out for a while... And I'm surprised it took me as long as it did to get to it, was uh, the Sherlock Holmes film that came out last Christmas. Yeah, I still haven't got to that. It was directed by Guy Ritchie. Now, one of my top ten favorite films of all time is Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Aye. And I know that you were a big fan of Rock and Rolla. Mm-hmm. Best three-second sex scene ever. <laughs> and, you know, so I don't know why it took so long, but... The story basically starts like at the end when Watson is moving out of Sherlock Holmes' apartment to go get married. Yeah. And so they're kind of fighting with each other, and they're going to do this one last case, which pops up. And there's a scene where Sherlock Holmes is having a conversation with his ex-wife, and she leaves the apartment, and he goes running downstairs, and they do one of these Guy Ritchie things where time like splits. And it was the coolest fucking thing. I like rewinded it and watched it again, and it was amazing. And I fell in love with that movie. Rewinded? Rewound? Is it rewound? <laughs> there you go. That sounds fucked up too, though. Maybe I'm if you sure. split time and say rewinded and rewound. I went back to an earlier point on the film and then watched it again from that point. And what a cool flick! I guess that there's a sequel coming out next Christmas, so I'm definitely going to catch that in the theaters. It was fucking cool. Right on. All right, what else? What else is going on? You know what I've been playing? What I've been playing lately? What's that? Toy Soldiers Cold War. We talked about Toy Soldiers a couple times on this show. Mm -hmm. It's the one, it's a real-time strategy slash tower defense game where you are playing with toy soldiers, sending your, your waves of toys to try to get into the opposing player's toy box while trying to defend your toy box from waves of toys 
tanks, fighter jets, etc. The first Toy Soldiers was a, a World War One game, and then it, it progressed from there. But Cold War is a huge upgrade, I guess you could say, from the original series. It's available on Xbox Live Arcade. You can just have it stream right to your machine. And it, it follows the same basic formula, but it adds more units. And it adds more units that you can control directly, not just the turrets, but you can get into the commando's body, which is just a, a John Rambo ripoff, <laughs> making fun of, of Rambo. Run him around uh, screaming, this one's for Johnny! And blowing stuff up, shooting guys. You can hop into a great number of tanks, helicopters, jets. It's a fun game, and it includes a whole boatload of mini-games with it, too, where all pretty much variations on the same thing. You're in a turret, you're shooting targets, be they you're sitting on a desk and you're trying to shoot all the flies that are buzzing around the desk, or you're trying to pop off targets as they're running around these little Russian dolls. You're, you're always in miniature, and there are always toys involved, and it's cool. Toy Soldiers Cold War. The only place where I really have a complaint is that it does commit the, what I consider, unforgivable sin on an Xbox in that there are times when the frame rate drops. I don't know how... It's not like a computer game where if your frame rate drops sometimes as well, you maybe you're running a machine that's too slow. All Xboxes move at the same speed. They've all got the same processing power. So... You know what you're working with. It's kind of crappy when you experience the the slowdown, which doesn't happen often. But the fact that it happens at all, yeah, it kind of irritates huh. me. Still, that doesn't kill the game. It's it's got a cool two player mode. It's got a cool one player mode. And I'm not sure if there's any other game out there that has this ability. This game, if you put my two children in front of it and have them play it, they can play one match, which should last like ten minutes, maybe the max five minutes, ten minutes. They can make a single 10-minute match last two hours. <laughs> it's like risk. <laughs> yeah. They just they forget the strategy and they focus on tactics. They forget to send waves into the other guy's toy box. They just focus on like being the drivable unit, being the flyable unit, sitting in the turret. Just... Well, yeah, but I mean, how often do you get to actually inhabit an action figure? That's awesome. Yeah, well, you get to the year. Toy Soldiers, Xbox Live Arcade get it cool well you know something i did recently woot you know occasionally has kind of cool stuff on sale and yeah. i actually picked up a roku box i've always wondered is it roku or Roku? oh I, maybe it's Roku. because in japanese roku means sixth class really yeah i wonder why having a sixth class box would be something that you would want i don't know why don't you ask your dad <laughs> <laughs> Boosh. Try the fish. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, it's a little streaming internet box that you plug into your TV. We had a TV that became irrelevant when the uh, everything went digital last (laughs) year in our bedroom. So I got this to kind of play with and you know see if that would work. And so I this was forty bucks I think for this box, and it can stream shows off the internet. So. One of the reasons why was uh, a show Gord talked about last year, The League, yeah, which show. I've been getting caught up on, and it's freaking hilarious. So on FX, it's a series about, it's based around a fantasy football league, but that's not what the show is about. You know, it's just day-to-day life, but it's absolutely a manic, crazy, hilarious show. 
new season's coming up pretty soon too. I think October, in October. Yeah, October second. So keep an eye peeled for that. But it's something you want to catch up on. You can catch up on Hulu. And so this Roku box or Roku box uh, allows you to stream. You know, I can stream Hulu stuff to my TV, but not directly. You have to like download this uh, program called Play On in order to do that. And then there's another thing called Roxbox, which I set up so that I can stream, like, if I burn a DVD to my hard drive on my computer, I can stream that to the TV. So the, the pluses are that you can basically set it up so almost any media you own, you can run over to a TV elsewhere in the house. The limitations to it are... There's only kind of a slim amount of actual television viewing that is available at the start on Roku without messing around. Netflix is there. So anything that's on Netflix, you can watch it if you have an account. And Hulu Plus, if you subscribe to that. But like straight Hulu is not available, so you have to do this workaround with Play On. So I, I'm not really sure how I feel about it, but it's kind of cool figuring the different nuances of it and having a different way to watch television. I mean, in some ways, I could see myself kind of, you know, dropping cable at some point. But, you know, I mean, HBO is what makes cable invaluable for me right now with things like Game of Thrones and other stuff that I want to watch. And, you know, yeah. AMC has justified. And, I mean, there's a few shows that on uh, cable that seem like they're must-watch for me. Then football is another thing that during the fall I'm you know I'm gonna really want to watch. But I, I could see myself at some point going to some sort of a internet-based viewing for television versus the standard old way we've always done it. Yeah, I think we'll all be doing that eventually. Yeah. Oh, one last thing. Why don't we talk a little bit about the new Super Commuter album since we've heard a couple of cuts here? Yeah. Our good friend Z at Hipster Please was kind enough to shoot over an advanced copy. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Z. And what I dig about Super Commuter is kind of the cool melding of really top-level rapping with chiptunes. That, that's what makes this band work. It's fun stuff. Yeah, and it's got sound effects from all those video games that used to pump way too many quarters into Joust. But even even some of the songs that, that are original sound like they're from a video game that you play, you know, that you yeah. almost feel at home in the grooves of those songs. And, and that's kind of fun. My kid goes, you know, I really like this music. I don't like the rapping, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the kind of thing you go, son, it'll grow on you. Yeah. <laughs> Wheelie just has his own style that to me is amazing. It's just you hear him and you immediately go, oh, my God, I know who that is. Yeah, you go, yeah, it's him. And, you know, you never know what the next tune's going to be about when it's not about robots killing humans. Right. Which is awesome. That's generally what it is. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he mixes in some other stuff like commuting. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of songs that we already heard, uh, It Is Splendid, Natural Immunity, I love. Also, Wheelie's Lament and... I don't know how to pronounce it. Kiabajo. Sure. Kiabajo. That's a great tune as well. So really a good album. I think it's only 10 bucks from supercommuter.com. Check it out. How about another tune, man? Let's do it. This is another Seattle band, Southside, recorded live only a week or two ago by Alien Bob Z. This song is called 10100011. Not to be confused with 10001110101 by Clutch. So don't right. don't make that mistake. Completely different. Ah, 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 ah. Thank you. 
Love you. Love you. show on stitcher because you should be if you're not listening to the show on stitcher you're doing it wrong go back go to <laughs> stitcher.com sign up for stitcher it's absolutely free and you can stream the show and other inferior shows to your mobile device for your listening pleasure without having to worry about downloading your hard drive porting to your blah, 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 blah. stitcher man and when you join stitcher this is the most important part 
Use the promo code BONE. That's spelled B-O-N-E. Very important. More for us than for you because we just want Stitcher to know how awesome our fans are. <laughs> All right. Once again, that was 1010011 by Seattle band Southside. And I am here with Jared from the website Alien Bob Z. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Steve? Not bad at all, sir. So I first bumped into Jared maybe a year ago, I guess, at a Death Star show. And I didn't realize who you were at the time, but there was a guy who was setting up to record the gig live. And that was how I first bumped into you. And it turns out that you're kind of a Northwest institution. Yeah, that's a good way to put me. <laughs> you don't mind being called an institution. You're cold. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I feel like I'm a, a big part of the Northwest scene, especially the nerdcore scene. So tell me, I mean, that night you were recording Death Star, who we know is a fantastic band. How did right. you get started in doing live recordings? Um, oh, so shout out from um, Death Star. They wanted to say hi to you. That was awfully kind of them. Yeah, um, I started by being a collector back in um, 2000, just collecting live shows. Back in the day, I was actually more into um, the bands like Dave Matthews Band, Fish, other groups, um, Harry Day, Jack Johnson, all those groups that just started collecting their shows. And around 2003, it was like the idea of, I knew there was about a handful of local tapers. They would go to different shows. The idea for me was to to get into taping myself mm-hmm. and just to try it out. And I tried it out in 2003. And since then, I really have loved the hobby and I've been doing it pretty much since then. So well, I, I remember being really impressed with your setup. I mean, you're not like a guy who's standing there with the task cam pointed at the stage, you know, in your left hand. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you've got a tripod set up and stuff is like at head level, and it's just a pretty cool setup that you have. Yeah. Did you kind of start more bare bones, or did you, once you committed, did you go in and start collecting the equipment that you were going to need? I started up here um, bare bones. I started off with a little Audio Technica microphones. They weren't like they were based off Audio Technica, but they were um, just very small microphones. Uh huh into a small battery pack into a Sony mini disc recorder. So that was my setup for a good maybe year. And then I bought like a um, Creative JP3, which was a great recorder at the time. And then started upgrading my microphones, upgraded little stuff and kept on upgrading until I got to the point where I'm at. And I've had the same equipment for about like five years now. Mm And you, you almost need your own roadie at this point. Exactly. <laughs> now, what was the first show you recorded? The first show I recorded was um, this jam band show at the Showbox with um, Leftover Salmon and <laughs> Flying Other Brothers on um, March 15, 2003. Wow. And how many, yeah, it, uh, up to this point, how many gigs do you figure you've recorded? <sighs> I lost track a long time ago. I'm guessing I'm way past the 400 mark, but yeah, that's probably somewhere between four and 500. I would, I would be assuming I was at 300 last time. I was keeping track, but I stopped doing that for a while, and eventually I'll, I'll post a hotel of how many shows I've been to, how many different bands I've seen. I, I've gone to many shows just on a whim of just like, oh, well, when it, this band loves taping. I have no clue what they sound like live. I'll go and tape them. Uh-huh. 
Has there been any band that you have went and seen and you're just like, oh, this was a mistake? Um, there has been a few mistakes, and I mean, like, not off the top of my head. Oh, but... I can't stand these guys. What was I thinking? Exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> I've taken some interesting tests. I've taped some, like, punk shows. Like, I'm not huge into punk, but, like, I'll tape. I've taped a couple punk shows. I've taped some very interesting groups. There was a show I went to, and this group that played in between, they were just very bad like their singer had no clue actually how to sing into a microphone and you just hear <laughs> like you know every once in a while you can hear something right like it's just too quiet talking to the microphone so that was kind of like one that was like wow this is bad <laughs> and uh, on the flip side like what are some of the favorite shows that you've done i mean there's there's got to be a few where you recognize at the moment that wow i'm catching lightning in a bottle here definitely i mean like going off into my favorite shows Actually, one of my favorite shows that I didn't tape was um, the first time I saw the Dave Matthews Band live. And that, for me, just captured the whole kind of moment of, like, being part. Like, I wasn't taping at the time, but, like, just to kind of get more into the community and seeing people taping. And that experience kind of changed my life in a sense. That was back in 2001. The first time I saw Optimus Rhyme back in um, 2006 that's truly a, a show changing moment because that got me into nerdcore <laughs> i didn't know anything about nerdcore until i saw optimus rhyme and they got me hooked uh-huh. so i have to say the last show is probably one of my favorites too i mean that it's you know one of those moments is just like seeing a band perform the last show I, that's really the only time i've ever had a chance to do that so mm-hmm. It was a good moment to at least capture that for people to be able to hear for years to come. A couple other ones. The first Super Commuter, kind of going back to the Optimus Rhyme thing, seeing Super Commuter, even though it's a different band, but it's the same MC. Mm-hmm. Seeing yeah. Super Commuter live for the first time. It's a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. And Death Star, for sure, the first time I saw them live. <laughs> Those guys are freaking awesome. Yeah, so. they're and they're just getting better. They really yeah. are. It was. I agree. Didn't you think the Norwest Con show was just impressive? The oh, way that, the I way was, they uh, they owned that room, they, and it they was their totally people. It was room. great. Right. That was probably hand down one of my favorite of theirs because for me, I'm kind of one of those people who didn't like the Quick and the Dead. I just didn't get into that song for various reasons most because i'm not a zombie person mm-hmm. but that whole show of like having people acting around as zombies it was so much fun like i actually enjoyed now i enjoy that song a lot more than i did before yeah i, I totally get that i mean and it was cool being in a room where everybody got every joke exactly you know <laughs> that was just neat yeah so i uh, we, we were talking recently and you mentioned that you have a new project coming up. Let's talk about that. So starting next week, actually, I'm going to start a um, documentary about the Seattle um, nerd scene. It's not going to be like any of the nerdcore documentaries. I'm trying to stay basically kind of away from that idea mm-hmm. and just focus on the nerd scene in Seattle. I feel like we have a very big group in Seattle and it definitely needs to be covered it will have some live music, but there will be also, I'll be interviewing a lot of people. I just will start my first group of interviews. My first interview with um, Kirby Crackle next mm-hmm. week. Oh, very so, cool. 
So so it's not going to be limited to just music then. It's also going to be like fan groups and gaming and stuff like that. Exactly. I'm still trying to get the figure out the concrete stuff and who to interview, but I would like to have a lot of things going at least next month. Uh, maybe October. I have a couple of things planned out in October for sure. Other places, you know, just trying to figure out who I want to interview and things like that. Oh, very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that, man. That's going to be excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this project. This is going to be a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, Another thing for my next project, the documentary, I'm trying to upgrade my software right now and go into the more professional software. The issue is that the software is about 600 bucks. So I'm trying to see if people want to help donate anything, any little bit helps me. I do have a donate button on my website. If people can help out, I'll pitch in as much as I can myself. But I've been giving myself a lot of time to this community and I thought it would be awesome if people help me out. Cool. Have you considered uh, starting up a Kickstarter for the documentary? That's going to be the eventual plan. The documentary is actually going to be set up as a way also for me to upgrade my other equipment. Mm-hmm. So eventually I would like to have a second camcorder, a better camcorder, so I can have two angles and get a more professional setup and right. capture more magic. You know how supportive the Nerdcore community is. Oh, yeah. And especially, I mean, given what happened with MC Lars, you know, his <laughs> he, he funded like in less than a week. Uh-huh. And ended up getting enough money for his project. Not only was he able to mix down the album, but then pay for the video to shoot as well. Exactly. So, you know, that that may be a good way for you to go, too. That's a plan. Yeah. All right. Well, one question I think we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off, man? You would think with all the equipment that I have and the fact that I'm videotaping a lot of time, the tall people would piss me off. <laughs> I mean, the, the reason why I keep monopod and use the monopod is so I can try. If a, a tall person who is completely oblivious to the fact that I'm taping doesn't see me, I can try to just go over him or to not worry about them. But um, actually, the one that thing that pisses me off is the drunk people. Yeah. I've had many experiences with drunk people, and I, I get that people are drunk, but it's just like, it's annoying. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's always I mean, it's always impressive when you know you're at a show where you know people paid forty, fifty bucks for a ticket, and some yeah. guy's like curled up in the fetal position in a puddle of his own vomit. You're just like, exactly. hey, you know, way to earn out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quality work, kid. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the most interesting ones to this day was. Uh, have you been connected before? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. Back in the day, the Nectar kind of used to be set up that how to get on stage. These seats were going from the front of the stage instead of the side of the stage that I was set up now. Mm-hmm. There was a show that I went to go tape, and this guy was completely drunk. And you can just tell. So during the first set, he kind of was just, you know, paying attention to my recording and everything. Like he was, I was videotaping at the time. and. He was just like looking over and kind of giving me approval and everything, but I could tell that he was like drunk. During the last band, he went on stage and was trying to get the band to leave. I don't know if he was not digging the band or whatever it was, but he was just acting like he was in charge. 
And, you know, it was like, the, the, at first the guy was all like, oh, cool, uh, no, just give us a chance and everything. And the guy was messing around with my equipment. I like, was on stage and he was like messing with my microphone, like acting like he could do that. And he's like, no, I'm recording. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So eventually he went back on stage trying to kick him off again. And security ended up throwing the guy off and out of the door eventually. But it was just a big mess. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it, man. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that pissed me off, too. Yeah. People messing with your equipment. Ugh. Oh, exactly. And your recording equipment. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it's starting to annoy me. I'm getting to the point that I almost want to bring, like, a rule book of, like, a post-it on my microphone stand. A, like, don't bug me when I'm recording. <laughs> I'm paying attention to the band, not you. And yeah. I've had that issue a couple times lately of people... Oh, he has a video camera. Maybe I can get my 15 seconds of fame. Yeah, we're in a reality TV world now, man. Exactly. So everybody thinks that they're the star of their own show. Yeah. Exactly. All right, man. Well, where can folks find your stuff? My website is alienbobz.com. I do have a Facebook, Twitter, and a couple of other um, setups on there. But yeah, the, the blog is the best place to find me. I do also have a YouTube, Alien Bob Z, or you can just look up Jared Watson, um, J A R O D, and that, that you can pretty much find me anywhere. On and the yeah, web. and on your on AlienBobZ.com, that's where there's a number of concerts there that you yes. can you can go and watch right now. Yeah, cool. So what are we going to listen to next, man? We are going to listen to the um, Lusty Lady by Billy the Fridge. When did you record this one? This was recorded on about a week ago on August 4th at the um, Crocodile. So you hear that, folks? This is fresh. Yep. Enjoy. The song is about a girl that left me. How many of y'all ever went to the Lusty Lady? So sad she's gone. So sad she's gone. I dropped a couple quarters there. I'm not going to lie. Just a few, but when you drop them, you get right back up. there right now if you want to go. Yeah. I'm walking in the room like, what am I thinking? It's shady as fuck and it reeks like semen. To my left, there's a girl in a lobster cage. Your baby face, but she probably is the proper age. To my right, there's a hobo with his hands out. Holy fuck, he's begging with his pants down. No homo, no homo, no way. These quarters are for cooters, so go away. Cross the room, there's a booth that stays open. I walk the hallway and dudes are straight stroking. I ain't joking, it's the nasty spot. Still, I gotta drop a little cash in the slot. Peep through the glass at the trashiest bimbo. Leave a slug trails with her ass on the window. Have to admit though, the money I spent, a damn good deal for 25 cents. You know I want you, baby. Here at the lusty lady. Usher like fuck you, baby. And now my quarter's going down. You might just drive me crazy. Instead, I bust my gravy. And now the window's Girls in the glass and making a show. Got a peep show, a freak show, and hate the assholes. Seen a broad dancing with a pregnant belly. Pin beside her coochie, screaming out, Help me! Then there's the others with the furry ass armpits. Hair dyed black drapes, don't ask the carpet. Stock dyed girl, boobs like Bruce Fruit. Pucker to the glass, see up her boot shoot. Girl to my left side, battered her eyelash. Turn to the right side, sporting an eye patch. Ninja in the back, doing Oopa Loopa moves. Four foot six, she got super duper boobs. Then from the back came a chick with a nurse hat. Long blonde hair with a body to curse at. Everything you could say she was a dime. Then I ran out of quarters and I ran out of time. You know I want you. 
want you, baby. Here at the Lusty Lady. But you're like, fuck you, pay me. And now my quarter's going down. Showing off their pretty pink guts. Thing about the rest is that women be naked. For 25 cents, you can see who is shaking. Don't expect the diamond exchange for your quarter. You might give a five banging out in the corner. That's the price you pay for not paying full price. It's a gamble when you get her like rolling a dice. Don't expect a hand job, homie. That's it. You're looking for a lap dance? Well, that's that. When it goes down, window stays open. Pussy pops out, burger stays broken. Quarter goes down, girls don't leave. A wizard sleep. You know I want you, baby. Here at the Lusty Lady. But you're like, fuck you, pay me. And now my quarter's going down. You might just drive me crazy. Instead, I bust my gravy. And now the window's going down. Now I want you, baby. Here at the Lusty Lady. But you're like, fuck you, pay me. Order's going down, you might just drive me crazy. Instead, I bust my gravy, and now the window's going down, down, down. That was a very emotional song for Billy the Fresh. Lusty Lady being his first serious girlfriend and all. Even my last serious girlfriend. All right, and that, of course, was the mighty Billy the Fridge with his live rendition of Lusty Lady. I love that song. (laughs) It's such such a great song. For those who aren't in the know, that was his celebration of what was a Seattle strip joint institution, the Lusty Lady. I never actually what was inside the Lusty Lady. Was it a strip joint or was it a peep show? I guess it was a peep peep show. It was a peep show, yeah. And it was an institution. And an extremely seedy one. If you Apparently so. From what you can hear from Mr. Billy. So fantastic. I, think I got a disease just listening to that song. <laughs> so dude, filthy jokes? Filthy jokes. A man was walking down the street when he was accosted by a particularly dirty and shabby looking homeless man who asked him for a couple of dollars for dinner. At DQ? <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact. The man was walking away from a a violated wall, DQ. The man took out his wallet, took out $10, and said, If I give you this money, are you going to go buy beer with it instead of dinner? The homeless man says, No, I had to stop drinking years ago. Well, we use it to go fishing instead of buying food? What? What? No, why would I waste my time fishing? I spent all my time just trying to stay alive. The man goes, well, you, you spend this on greens fees at a golf course instead of food? The homeless guy goes, are you nuts? I haven't played golf in 20, 10 bucks. How, how am I going to play golf? I haven't golfed in years. Look at me. But he keeps going. He goes, will you spend the money on a woman in the red light district just outside the lusty lady instead of food? The homeless guy looks at him and goes, can you imagine the disease I would get if I found a $10 hooker? Well, says the man, I'm not going to give you the money. Instead, I'm going to take you home for a terrific dinner cooked by my wife. Well, the homeless man is astounded. He goes, 
won't your wife be furious with you for doing that? I mean, look, look at me. I'm dirty. I'm, I'm smelly. I, I look disgusting. I am disgusting. What, what are you thinking here? The man goes, it's okay. It's important for my wife to see what a man looks like after he's given up beer, fishing, golf, and sex. <laughs> Not bad. Better than last week's title. Yeah, I think so. All right, so there's these two friends, and uh, they haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks. They work in the same workplace, and uh, one of them bumps into the other right in front of his office. And he, he knows that the guy is just a notorious techno geek. He says, hey, man, how you been? He says, I'm good, good. How about you? He says, oh, I'm doing well. Congratulations, by the way. Your new secretary is gorgeous. The guy says kind of quietly, well, I'm glad you like her. Believe it or not, she's a robot. No way. How on earth can this be? No way. I'm telling you, she's the latest model from Japan. Let me tell you how it works. If you squeeze her left breast, she takes dictation. If you squeeze her right breast, she types a letter. And that's not all. She is fully functional, if you know what I mean. Sex, whatever. Well, holy shit, you've got to be kidding me. No, not kidding at all. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what, you can even borrow her. They kind of look around, they find an empty conference room. So the friend takes the robot into the conference room, and they close the door. After a few minutes, the guy starts hearing just this blood-curdling screaming coming from the conference room. And it occurs to him what has happened. No, Bob! I forgot to tell you, her ass is a pencil sharpener. <laughs> that was way funnier than your, your joke last week. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I figure, you know, killer robots are a recurring theme with Supercommuter. Why not bring it all full circle? Full well said. Full ring, if you will. Full robot. <laughs> thank yous. We have a lot this week. We'd like to thank Supercommuter. Thanks, Stenobot and Tron Juan for joining us on the show. Like to thank Cloffin Pop for joining us. Also, like to thank Alien Bob Z, Southside, and Billy the Fridge for letting us borrow your music. Southside's new release, Science Diction, can be downloaded for free over at scrubclubrecords.com. Billy the Fridge, meanwhile, has a brand new EP, Lunchbox Soldiers, which can be yours for a mere $5 American from lbsarmy.bandcamp.com. Who am I forgetting? I got to be forgetting someone else. Z. Ah, Z from Hipster, please. Also, thank you to Cheeky Boy, who also threw in a little something for us there. So just what a great collection of musical artists this week. I'm thrilled. I got to say. What else? Me? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Are, are you You're doing the thank yous? What, and thanks to you, Gord, for showing up. <laughs> well done. I've barely showed up this episode. <laughs> Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show, as always, 425-296-6557. And the phones have been very quiet lately. Call a motherfucker, would you? Yeah, call Steve. Also, you can reach the show via email to steve at bonehand.com. You'll find new content on bonehand.com every Sunday, including the heavy half hour. And you can find my work such as it is at mightywombat.com, a new cartoon every week. I'm on Twitter at Mighty underscore Wombat. Actually did a Twitter type thing today. I'm starting to do it again. Yeah, tweeting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't we have some sort of a Facebook something or other? Yeah, we've got a Facebook group. Uh, we still have an unclaimed nickel slot CD. Go to the Facebook page and post nickel slots to win possibly a CD. 
a nickel slot CD, an autographed nickel slot CD. How cool is that? You can also find me over on Twitter. I'm Bonehand over there. And don't forget to check out the show on Stitcher. Stitcher. If you're not a user of Stitcher, become a user of Stitcher and use the promo code BONE. Very important you do that. Always. Thank you for listening. And if you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. Our closing tune tonight. This is one of my favorite tunes on the new Supercommuter CD, but this is the live version recorded by Alien Bob Z a few months back. This is Robot Party. Once again, I'm Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one. We have one more song to play. And it's all about a robot fiesta. We, we thought really hard about what to name it, and we named it Robot Party. Yeah. Your necklace is distracting me. <laughs> I'm sorry.
Potty mouth. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>